faced and addressed injustice. And then we ask, well, well, why? Why could they do this? Why could they so quickly, rather simply, and very effectively address injustice in this manner when uh, we, the American church, often seems to struggle so much with it? And so we turn to Romans 11, and we saw that Paul uses a metaphor of, a, of an olive tree, a wild olive tree that has a cultivated olive branch grafted into it. And Paul says, this is what the family of God is like. The wild olive tree is God's election and mission through his people Israel over the centuries. And now in Jesus, you who were outsiders, the Gentiles, have been grafted into God's family. And so because of this, there's no room for pride. There's no, there's no room for prejudice. There's no room for cultural superiority because you have been grafted in. You are outsiders who have been welcomed into the family of God because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the why for us. This is why racial justice matters so much to us as a church because it is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. It's not a distant implication of the gospel. It's not... Discipleship 2.0. For the early church, there was an understanding that what Jesus had accomplished had a massive implication on the community itself, on who was outsiders and who were insiders now. Jesus had accomplished something that reconciled us not only with God, though that is the starting point, but his reconciliation has welcomed we who are outsiders into the family of God. And it's only through, as we saw last week, kind of a a warped and heretical theology that you could ever get to a point where an ethnocentrism or a racism could ever be tolerated by the, the people of God. So this is where we ended last week. We said, this is why this matters so much to us. We looked at the how, we looked at the why. But there's a what. And there's a what that we're going to have a chance to answer today. Did everybody who was here last week remember to spend time on the question? Okay, let's get used to a little awkwardness. Raise your hand if you remember to think about the question. Raise it up high. Okay, good, good. The rest of you, I hope you're quick thinkers. Here's the the question. Based on your understanding of who Jesus is, what should your response to racial injustice be? And do we have that on here? Okay. It's all right, you can leave it off for now. We'll, We'll put it up in just a second. So you don't have to remember it just like. But it's a what question. What should my response to racial injustice be based on who Jesus is? Uh, The passage, as we saw it complete uh, this morning, addresses the what question as well. After the, the how and the why, they have to get down to the business of addressing the potential division that existed between the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. And there's a lot of things we could say, but let me point out three ways that they answered this what question. The first was that the Hebraic Jewish uh, leaders who had most of the power in the community gave some of that power up. They said, we need others to take this on. We need others to have influence and authority in this area to lead our church well through this potential division. So they gave up power. For some of the people in the early church, this was how they answered the The what is my response question. And then there were uh, the members of the church itself, Hebraic and Hellenistic Jews, who, if you remember from last week, were culturally very different, even linguistically very different, though they shared similar faith and, and background. These individuals, these members of the church, had to get down to business of figuring out, okay, now that we've been empowered to address this, what are we going to do? And what we see they end up doing is identifying seven leaders to tackle this problem. And the the text isn't explicit about this, but it appears that they chose seven Hellenistic leaders. So the Hebraic leaders give up power. The church decides we need the Hellenistic leaders to lead us in this initiative. Now, again, we don't know that for 100% sure, but the names of these leaders are Greek, and some of the conversion stories make scholars think that there was an intentionality of choosing leaders who could relate with and connect with those who were being overlooked by the current structure of the church. And then there were the leaders themselves. What were they going to do? They could have chosen different 
different uh, avenues, different methods. They could have been compassionate and merciful, and this would have been good and right. But the text seems to hint that they were about uh, justice. They, they didn't want to simply alleviate one situation. They wanted to make sure that this situation would never happen again. This is justice. This is making things right. And so they were able to actually change the the systems, the structures, and the assumptions within that early Christian community so that moving forward, whether you were a Hebraic widow or a Hellenistic widow, you would be treated with the full dignity that God had given you within this new community. Amen? Amen? There's a temptation as a multi-ethnic church to say, we care about these things, or we are about these things, or we're passionate about these things, and never ask the what question for myself. What's my role? What's my response? It's one thing to say that I belong to a church that cares about justice. It's another thing entirely to say, well, based on who Jesus is, this is my personal response. This is my personal contribution. So over the past year, there's been a small team of people who've been kind of thinking through this Black Lives Matter movement and moment. So Edith is one of those folks, Bethany, Dennis, Pastor Michelle. We've been talking and thinking and praying. Who am I forgetting on that team? Anybody? Did I get everybody? And myself. How do we lead our church in this moment? And one of the things this group came up with was the format for today's service. I take no credit for it. If you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at Dennis. <laughs> I think it's a really good idea. And they said, we, we need to ask this what question of ourselves. We need to have a space where every one of us can just share very briefly, very, very briefly, based on my understanding of Jesus, here's my response to racial injustice. We need to be able to hear from one another. We come from different places. We're not all on the same page. We don't all share the same assumptions. And this is okay. This is good. This is what it means to belong to a diverse community that is centered on Jesus. Amen? Um, And so if there's anywhere that we can have this conversation, it has to be the church of Jesus Christ. My son goes to a very diverse elementary school. It's one of the reasons we love this public school. And one of the things I notice about this school when I drop them off or pick them up is that the parents congregate based on race and ethnicity. So there's interesting reasons why we as parents are glad that our kids are in this school, and yet that doesn't seem to be enough to actually push us into relationship with those who look different from us or who come from different places than us. So if it can't happen here, if it can't happen among a group of people who say, we know the why, Jesus has changed everything for us. I am an outsider who has been grafted into the family of God. I exist by his grace and his grace alone. If it cannot happen here, where can it happen? So it has to happen here. Amen? So here's how this is going to work. We'll put this question up here on the screen. And um, Pastor Michelle and Dennis will get us started, and we're just going to work our way around the whole room. And you've got about... 20 seconds to answer this question. So we don't need any thesis. We don't need any, like, you know, long stories. We need snapshots this morning. And I'm going to be the bad guy if you start going on too long. I'll clear my throat into the microphone or something like that. But this is, this is the question. Based on your understanding of Jesus, what should your response to racial injustice be? Based on my understanding of Jesus, what should my response to racial injustice be? Are there any wrong answers? No, we just need to hear from one another today. Again, we're not looking for deep and profound theology. We're asking you to share just kind of your heart very briefly. Here's how I would answer that. Any questions? Really? No questions? No one's like, is there a secret door I can escape out of? We would love for everybody to answer this question, particularly if new community is your church home. We'd love to hear from you. We need to hear from you. And your answer can be, I don't know. That's okay. If you're our guest this morning and you're like, what the heck is going on? Uh, It's not normally like this here, um, but we do strive to be a people who can be this sort of uh, honest and open with one another. We'd love to hear from you. We need to hear from you as well. But if you're a guest this morning, and you need to let the microphone pass you by, that's totally fine. We won't put you on blast if you 
uh, if you choose to do that. So I'm going to say a prayer for us. We're going to start over here, pass the mic around, listen well to each other. And again, if you end up taking a little too long, I'll remind you to, to pass that mic. Let's pray together. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the center of this community. We thank you that your word tells us that we are not simply a a random collection of individuals in this room today. But because of you, because of what you have done, because of the presence of your Holy Spirit, we are in some way that we'll maybe never understand fully the very body of Christ. And so I pray that you would let us speak clearly and concisely, and honestly and authentically, but that also we would speak without fear, without anxiety, knowing that you and you alone hold this community together. You've held us together so well for these past five and a half years, Lord, and we know you will be the one who continues to hold us together, this diverse and eclectic and surprising community for your glory's sake. We're really thankful about that. So lead us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So because I serve uh, a Christ who uh, prayed forgiveness for those who crucified him and also instructed us to love our enemies, I feel like part of my response, and because of the way he graded me, is to uh, pray for those who perpetrate the injustice and to find ways to serve them and help them so that it doesn't happen again. Um, And based on my understanding of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, my response is um, to to constantly, for the rest of my life, um, be in spaces, worship in spaces, live in spaces where I am never um, 100% comfortable. So I am committed to always experiencing some level of discomfort um, so that racial justice can happen. Um, Based on my understanding of Jesus Christ, I would say that my role is to um, continue to give voice to the suffering and pain of those who might not be able to speak for themselves um, and to also make sure that I am present um, because I think uh, presence is important and um, the volume of numbers speaks to those in power and authority. So those were three great examples of about how much time that you could take. Maybe let's also give our names as well. So that was Dennis, Pastor Michelle, and Romelia. Uh, my name is David. Uh, probably is going to be the first not good example of response. But kind uh, <laughs> of um, the should is what I think I should do based on my uh, understanding is uh, – be empathetic about those who I don't understand their experiences because I know for sure that most of, of people that I know here don't start, don't, do not understand my own experience. Good morning. My name is Verna Lynn. And I think my response to the question is being willing to start a conversation and not be afraid to talk about the topic um, and being willing to act in a way that maybe will hopefully counteract their ex- their own experience previously to help create a new um, a new uh, renewing experience for them and start that healing process. Uh, good morning. My name is Leah. I think that my response that I try to live out is to seek God and how He can help me listen better, ask better questions. And also um, ask him to help me when I'm afraid to act out when I should, afraid to speak out when I could, um, and just to help me through that process. Uh, Good morning. My name is Warren. Um, I guess based on what I know about Jesus, um, I try to respond to racial injustice by being an example and showing anybody that I'm around that I'm comfortable interacting with anybody of any race, any age, and any gender. So. 
Um, my name is Michelle. Uh, I'm a teacher and I teach in a low-income, all-African-American area, um, all-African-American school. And so I think my response is making sure that I'm doing whatever I can to make sure those students are getting as high a quality of education as someone else in any other area of the city would. Um, but also going in knowing that I am not from that neighborhood and don't know exactly what that high quality education means um, and making sure I have a lot of humility in um, kind of making decisions in those situations. Um, my name is David. Um, based on my understanding of Jesus, uh, Jesus is, is, is the answer. I think all injustice, whether racial or otherwise, come out of sin. So my, my first response is always prayer and also to love all, even those who may not love me. My name, good morning. My name is Jonathan. Um, similar to what Rev said, I, I will also respond, based on my um, understanding of Jesus, I will respond uh, with prayer, um, try to understand where the person is coming coming from, and um, but just treat them with love and respect. Um, my name is Antonio. Based on what, um, Washington and Jonathan said I would do the same thing and just um, just love them for whoever they are and that's what I do just love them that's what Jesus did he loved everyone for their sins and everything so that's what I would do my name is Susan and I think a lot about how Jesus was challenging uh, the religious leaders who thought they had it all figured out and my place right now is letting Jesus dismantle where I have let my faith be combined with elements of racism and continue to push into that even when it is uncomfortable and painful. Hi, my name is Doran and um, what Susan said and then also um, to call out where I see um, racist and xenophobic um, tendencies uh, even sometimes in my own family. Hi, my name is Tim. And I I think for me first is to embody it, Jesus' call in my own life and how I think and how I treat people. Um, and I think, too, to continue to challenge, continue to stay in the, in the conversation. You get tired sometimes, but. Hi, my name is Christy. Um, I would say um, the word that came to mind for me was uh, to be intentional. Um, specifically for me, um, my prayer lately has been uh, in that intentionality that I would be quick to think on my feet. Um, I've always, um, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm hard on myself, but I feel like that's hard for me. Um, so the prayer specifically related to that for me has been to, to be quick to think on my feet and be willing to, uh, in that intentionality, um, maybe be the one to initiate a conversation or bring to light uh, a particular specific injustice, whether it's subtle or, or, or not. Um, yeah. Hi, my name is Candice. Um, I'm an educator. And um, based on my understanding of Jesus, my response... Um, for a long time has been to try to stay in the conversation and not shut down and not become tired and apathetic, um, pessimistic and angry and uh, every other emotion and basically not let my emotions lead me in um, any responses or any conversations, um, particularly in working in an area um, where um, the majority are... Um, not like, don't look like me, and where, uh, you know, typically there's a lack of understanding and there's kind of an um, overt racism and also um, um, the racism that, you know, you don't necessarily see and can't call out. Um, so just to keep the conversation going and not shut down. Hi, Anthony. Um, responses uh, to 
fight for equal opportunity, pretty much. And my specific uh, spiritual gifts are entrepreneurship and systematic kind of innovative, uh, scalable process. So leveraging those to um, combat uh, in the community um, implicit bias and opportunity, and then uh, hopefully uh, legislatively in the future. Hey, my name is Eli. Um, and just off what I know of Jesus and um, what he's done um, when he was around was making sure that those that he believed were creating an injustice, that they understood themselves what was going on and what they were doing. So just off how I believe that God made me, um, and that is to talk a lot and in great quantities, um, just talking to those in um, positions of power and seeing how they portray this injustice. Hi, my name is Chris. Uh, I also teach, and I live in Bronzeville. Uh, and I think intentionally surrounding myself in a mostly African environment, school and uh, neighborhood, it's my response to racial injustice is to be a good neighbor. Um, it's not to look at myself as someone who brings justice to these places of injustice, uh, but just to listen to the real needs of the people around me and to um, understand that no matter what I could provide, like God is really, and Jesus has already come and, and um, kind of restored that. So not looking to my own skills necessarily to, to combat injustice. Hi, I'm Kathy. Um, Since I'm Asian American, I'm neither black nor white, and I feel a role to almost be a bridge between two cultures. As an Asian, I'm afforded many privileges that white people have, but also experience injustice and oppression as my African American and Latino brothers and sisters do. And just as Jesus was a bridge between people and reconciled people and us to God, I feel that um, in some ways, not sure which yet, I can do that as well in the unique experiences that I have. Good morning. I'm Josh, and I work in marketing. Uh, based on my understanding of Jesus, uh, my response to racial injustice ultimately is um, being present every day in building relationships where I can, um, be that with um, people of color who are in my workplace, um, what that might look like in daily life, um, like at my daughter's school, for example. I would say a component of that is also humility, building relationships, being willing to listen, and to, as much as I might want to challenge the status quo, I am so much part of that, um, the white Americans and so forth. We need to listen and be willing to be challenged ourselves. So I would say humility is another factor of that. And love, finally, especially when you're confronting, say, other folks who are in the social majority who are racist and claim to be Christian. How do you approach that with love? But be firm and do what Jesus would do. Hi, good morning. My name is Brent. Um, I think it's very healthy to acknowledge my upset in racial injustice and to use that anger to make me love harder, love others harder, and understand more. I uh, work in the events field, and sometimes I'm the only African-American in an event, and sometimes I can feel the pressure from that and feel the darkness from that, and still I have to remember that God is with me, and that he's with us in the world and Jesus walked this earth for us and um, that it's my responsibility to be that same love and to emulate that, emulate Jesus's love every day. Good morning. My name is Doris and I'm a returning educator. Uh, What I do is I go into different schools as a, a substitute teacher and I go to schools where I might see there are opportunities to present to children and teachers a way to become involved in their own life. So if I go to a school that's all me, I want to go to a school, and I pick schools so that I know that I can go into schools to teach love and teach peace. Sometimes I, uh, as a, a teacher, 
I want to be the leader. I have to step back. I have to listen. And what I found in one school where Victoria goes to, um, I was so surprised to see that the student teachers working on her master had a wonderful idea for racial injustice, and that was the peace carpet. So if she didn't get involved, she would tell them to go. And this started in uh, second grade. And they have a carpet with a wall, and they just talk it over, and they come back, and they want to say, well, what should I do? I say, don't go back and resolve it. So sometimes they have to put it in their hands and know that racial injustice will be. But the thing is, we have to pray. We cannot pray in schools, but we can pray. And pray at home, develop uh, foundations for love for everyone because we are on this planet to do that. Thank you. My name is Grace. Um, I think my first response would be humility in realizing that um, just because of the color of skin that I was born with, I've been given privileges um, in the system that we live in, and it's not based on anything that I have done. Um, And so that awareness should lead me to, instead of just blindly receiving it, um, fighting to help those who don't. Uh, Excuse me. My name is Cindy. I am a clinical psychologist by training and um, specialize in trauma. And so based on my understanding of Jesus, um, I intentionally work in underserved neighborhoods, um, currently in the South Side, and um, use this understanding to try to help these communities um, and figure out the balance of mental health and how systems often respond to mental health, which has recently come out in the news very strongly, Um, and trying to bring up those conversations not only with my patients but also students and how that impacts everything that's going on. Hi, um, I'm James, and... Uh, for me, my first response is to just personally to be more prayerful um, for like kind of bouncing off what Dennis said for both sides. Because um, I think to be loving, I need, I can't love just one side and be vengeful towards another. So for me, it's just starting with prayer. Hi, my name is Kate. Um, as someone who grew up in a town in rural Ohio that was completely white, um, this is an, this response would be um, totally me learning and being open um, to the fact that I don't know what I'm doing at all. So just the humility um, to recognize that I'm not familiar with the experiences of others. And um, yeah, just humility, I think. Hi, um, I'm Jarrett. Uh, based on my understanding of uh, Jesus, uh, I guess my response would be to have um, grace uh, in response to racial injustice, uh, but also uh, humility in uh, recognizing um, my own racist tendencies. My name is Betty. I do not have a great answer at this time. I'm going to pass. My name is Lee. Um, I think my typical response would be to be angry or apathetic, cynical. But I think my response should be um, to really pray for understanding and to be gracious and I guess also to figure out ways I can speak up against those injustices, whether that's my personal experiences or of others. Um, So, yeah. Good morning. My name is Sonia. Um, I have like a twofold thoughts. The first thing is to love actively. Um, this notion of like active participation in, in the world of education kind of bleeds into my personal life, just thinking about what it means to um, demonstrate and display and be intentional and proactive um, with all my interactions, with even in my own space, um, even if I'm on my own reflecting or meditating. And the second thing is... Um, I think just being mindful of um, where I am at personally and thinking about how do I um, utilize that aspect of my identity to boldly challenge um, persons in authority. I think um, 
as a school administrator, there are opportunities that I've been afforded, and I think sometimes uh, stepping in boldness um, the way Jesus does is not easy, um, thinking about the backlash that can happen, but doing it without any inhibition. And so um, when I think about responding to racial injustice, I think about challenging and boldness. Hi, I'm John. Uh, I do law stuff, I guess. So uh, when I think about that, I think about uh, challenging um, the structures. I think about Jesus shaking the pillars. Um, and I think not just about challenging structures, because we talk about that a lot, but challenging the presumptions that underlie those um, and working against that. And then at a more personal day-to-day level, I think about uh, really just seeing others, like very physically walking down the street, seeing others and looking at them and recognizing them and maybe breaking down some presumptions about what they might have about me, about how I would treat them when I walked by them. My name is Leah. Um, I think my first response should be to listen and to um, try to understand more um, about racial injustice and listen to stories. I think, second, I'm a teacher, um, and so I have a lot of say over what my students learn, and I think it's important to um, be careful about the books I pick, pick books um, that examine social issues, pick books that are written by minority authors, and then I think also, as I teach social studies and history, examine what it is that I am teaching them, um, And then third, I think um, from what I am learning, I think I need to challenge um, communities, the community from which I came, right, that doesn't um, have to face racial injustice every day. My name is Lizzie. My response is um, should be prayer, listening, and then protest. I think prayer that I would um, center myself on Christ, become or grow deeper in my discipleship, listening um, that I would actually join in solidarity with those that are impressed, um, and that my protest would be that outward expression of my own forming of my discipleship and becoming um, closer to Christ. Um, what that actually looks like in the day-to-day, I've, it's hard um, to figure that out, but I think it really does have to be um, agitating those ideas or thoughts or systems that are um, perpetuating this uh, racial injustice. Good morning. My name's Jonathan. I'm an educator. It's an interesting question. Based on my understanding of Jesus... I understand Jesus as a as a person who loved his people. Jesus was Jewish, Hebrew. So I would say for me, my response to racial injustice would be to first love black people, loving my own people. And I think a part of the structure of racial injustice is for me to hate myself. Jesus did say, Love God, love people as yourself. So I think it starts with me. I think it starts with my community. Jesus was concerned about the welfare of Israel. I should be concerned about the welfare of my community. It starts with me first. Um, And I think that's the, I think that's, that's the anchor for me. That's where my love for other people grows out of. But I cannot start by loving other people. I have to start with first myself and then loving my own community. So that's my natural response. Loving the well-being, loving the fiscal health, loving the emotional, psychological health of my own people. That's where it starts with me. And then everything else, everything else around it falls into place. But it starts with me loving my own people. Um, so I wasn't here last week, so uh, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but this is something that I've been thinking about. Oh, my name's Dave. Sorry about that. Um, 
I've been thinking about it for a little bit anyway. Uh, I'm in healthcare, and much like what uh, Kathy was talking about, I am an ethnicity uh, who has privilege, and being in healthcare, I have power. So for me, rather than, and I'm not saying that this is better than anyone else, but for myself, I think I need to have some sort of action plan. And I think one of the things that God has been leading me into is creating a way of distributing power. So um, given that I work on the west side near Austin, um, working to try to distribute power to children so that they get into healthcare and they're afforded opportunities um, that they may not have had otherwise. And at the same time, having humility to know that I don't have the answers, but um, just working um, to whatever way that God leads. Hi, I'm Teddy. Um, I'm an occupational therapist that works with a elderly Jewish population. And my response to racial injustice is to really expose our commonalities rather than our differences. Because a lot of these people have their minds set up, but once they hear the stories of other people, they tend to open up a bit more. Um. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, my name is Aaron. Um, my answer for this question, uh, based on my interpretation of Christ or just scripture in general, is more about my voice uh, challenging the status quo of society, um, speaking out against the, the structures that I see and not just speaking out about it, but actually uh, putting into practice what it looks like for me personally, what I believe to counter uh, the systemic structures uh, for my community, um, my neighbors and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I think. Um, I'm Q. My response to racial injustice is just to think about the fact that regardless of the word racial being in front of it, that it's injustice and helping people to remember that it is injustice and just because it's racial doesn't mean that it's less important than any other injustice that exists in the world. Um, so it matters. And as a teacher, um, teaching my kids that it doesn't have to continue um, and a lot of the change can start with them. My name is Jane. Um, I don't, I'm still trying to figure this out, but um, I think my thoughts are being directed towards um, hear what people are saying and sort of showing up, even though I wouldn't always know like what to do or say. I'm Jesse, and um, I live in a neighborhood where um, I live with mostly people that don't look like me and didn't grow up with the experience that I had. Um, and I think when I moved here several months ago, I had a lot of very um, not great like gut reactions, um, mainly fear. And um, it wasn't what I, the reactions that I was expecting to have sort of based on my higher thinking and what I thought I prioritized because um, I've always wanted to live and work in kind of underserved communities. Um, so I think my response is I really believe that um, God's love casts out all fear and um, really been dealing with that the last several months and have learned to love instead of be afraid. Um, so I really am passionate about um, sharing that with other people that are in similar experiences as me and just showing that love is more powerful than fear. My name is Shelby. Um, I'm a law student. Um, I think my first response is to listen and to check my privilege and realize the ways I'm privileged and to listen to others. Um, I think being in law, um, realizing the structural injustices and the ways to challenge them and fight against them. And then I think also on a personal level, um, when I go home, being in an all-white community, speaking up and calling people out, even if they are my family. My name is Alicia. 
um, the two ways that I think my response or what I think my response to racial injustice should be kind of tied to um, amplifying voices of people who are oppressed due to race or other factors. Um, and I think those two ways are one through writing and through engaging through social media or however that might be, but amplifying voices with my privilege and saying like, this is my friend or this is a, something that I've heard from my friends who are people of color and this is real and it happens um, and bringing that story to white communities. And then secondly, using my privilege to um, you know, act politically and to help organize folks to say like, hey, we want, um, you know, we want rights for immigrants, we want things for our community um, and that every life in this community matters, especially, especially those lives that have been oppressed. Hi, my name is Erin. Um, for me, this is sort of twofold. Um, first, professionally working in healthcare. Um, for me, this looks like recognizing how much structural injustice and how much lack of access to resources impacts health. Um, thinking and working towards increasing that access. Um, and then, secondly, on a personal level, it's just like surrounding me surrounding myself with people that don't look like me, being intentional about hearing those stories. Um, and then like Alicia, recognizing that I'm also, because of my skin color and the communities that I'm a part of, I have access to people who don't hear these stories. And so it, it also means um, that I have to, in love, um, share stories and um, amplify in, like Alicia said, amplify stories that other people don't hear all the time. Hi, I'm John. Um, the main way I've experienced uh, Jesus in my life, I think, is through relationships. And so for me, uh, my response to this is just being committed to having relationships with people who um, have had very different backgrounds than me, different experiences, and making sure I fully understand their perspective. Hi, I'm Alice, um, and I guess the way I would answer this question is to first um, reflect on my own heart and where I am and how I view these things um, and the issues that are happening around us currently, um, and to just pray that God opens my eyes and my heart um, uh, to be truly compassionate about these things, because um, it, it registers that I understand and I see what's going on, but um, my response um, in my heart is not sometimes it feels a little forced. So, yeah, to pray for um, just more compassion and understanding from Jesus. Hi, my name is Deboro. Uh, based on my understanding of Jesus, I would say my first response is to forgive those who perpetuate um, racial injustice. And um, secondly, as a student and future medical professional, um, the responsibility is on uh, me to engage in healthcare disparities issues and to continue to be involved in uh, communities that lack access to care. Um, my name is Lindsay, and um, I grew up in a very white Dutch community. Um, so this is like newer to me, um, and I think. Um, based on my understanding of Jesus, my response um, now is going to be to show up and understand. Um, I like what Pastor Michelle said, and um, I, was, I had these thoughts too of um, I'm very used to making myself comfortable and prefer to do that. And so looking for opportunities to make myself uncomfortable and knowing that if I'm doing that, it's probably the right thing. Um, so just trying to show up and um, just gain more of an understanding. My name is Nathan. Uh, growing up in a very rural, white Ohio town uh, and being the only colored family in that town, I was never white enough to be white. I'm not black enough to be black. Um, so that kind of from a very young age has you know, caused me to be very introverted and also a very kind of pessimistic view of everything. Um, so still to this day, I find it very hard to to go from one side or the other. So the whole Black Lives Matter thing, I can't really get behind because I'm not really white, I'm not really black, 
the, you know, kind of the whole injustice as a whole. It's it's been in my life for so long that it's it's kind of, it's just life. So I, I don't really know where I fall in that. Uh, the biggest thing that uh, that has helped kind of through all this is prayer and discernment. Um, but I think it's it's such a an overwhelming kind of just aspect in my life and has been for so long that it's kind of one of those things that I just choose not to deal with. Um, knowing Jesus and knowing what I should do um, is not currently what I do. So being active in this, you know, and kind of like Michelle and Lindsay said, you know, becoming uncomfortable and, you know, putting yourself into, you know, this situation where you can try to make a difference. That's ultimately where I would like to go. But after nearly 30 years of, you know, kind of this, not necessarily oppression, but non-acceptance, it's, it's very difficult to, to get out and, and do that. Good morning, my name is Daniel. Uh, I'm also an educator, and I don't have anything new to say. All the great stuff has been said. Um, but for me, the Jesus that I understand in the gospel forces me to do something, and that's been on three levels, on a personal level, a professional level, and a public level. Personally, I engage in relationships with people who are not like me, who did not come from where I came from, so that I can have a better understanding and better empathy. Um, Two, on a personal level, it forces me to have very uncomfortable, very awkward, and even at time contentious discussions with family members and with friends from where I grew up, whose white middle-class existence has allowed them the privilege to be completely untouched by racial injustice. Uh, there's no reason that they ever have to confront it. Um, and I have felt the need that I need to bring some things up for them to consider uh, because they don't have to otherwise. Uh, professionally, uh, like my colleague down there, the other social studies teacher, it makes a difference in where I teach, in what I teach, and in how I teach. All three things. Every part of my curriculum and where I am, uh, the Jesus that I serve infor- informs those choices that I make. Um, and publicly, it means things like taking part in the prayer vigil that we did, you know, putting myself out there on a rainy Monday night to walk down the street to say that these things matter to me. Um, showing up at a community meeting here at Kennecott, um, you know, with two kids who don't really want to be here and want to run around, but being showing up in public spaces to say, I care about these things too. Um, hi, I'm Edith. Um Actually, the first image of Jesus that I got when I read the question was Jesus turning the tables. So um, actually, I think that I feel my responsibility is to actually stay angry because I feel that if I don't, then that means that I will be accepting the status quo, and then that's just fine. You know, it's like then I would reach a place of complacency, and then yeah. So that's one thing. And then second thing, I think I'm my response is also to stay in conversation, and especially and specifically with other Latinos, um, because I think at times. Um, People in the Latino community, they do not see the intersectionality of um, the oppression of Latinos and other minority groups, specifically African Americans. And so I feel that that's sort of, um, I've been put in places where it, like I'm, I'm uncomfortable amongst my own people <laughs> or amongst other Latinos. Um, because I choose to speak of certain, uh, of certain things, but I think that is uh, part of my my responsibility. Hi, my name is Jeannie. Um, I am a speech pathologist. I, you're calling me out, David, <laughs> with this one. Um, but my 10-year goal is to build a clinic to serve, um, a multidisciplinary clinic to serve the more marginalized populations of Chicago. Um, and for me, that would be the financial piece in healthcare, how people with finance have great access to healthcare and the people without the financial means do not. So my hope is to be able to come in 
and serve the uh, more financially marginalized population and give them and deliver like really great healthcare. Uh, my name is Doug, and my goal is to help Ginny do that. No, um, although that is a big part of it. Um, I think based on my understanding of Jesus, my uh, response to this is twofold. Actually, really my mission to this is twofold. Um, and, and the first part is to just regularly live in a vulnerable, racially diverse community. Um, that's the that's part that changes me. Um, and the second part to that is to make that, make that kind of living uh, mildly attractive to all sorts of people, um, particularly people that are in power that would never even think about that as an option. Hi, I'm Cholani. Um, I don't think Jesus ever let tiredness keep him from speaking when, <laughs> when he needed to speak. So I think for me, looking at who Jesus is, it makes me want to um, not become apathetic, as someone said earlier, and not allow myself to become numb and to be willing to engage in conversation and initiate conversation and look crazy in certain spaces. Hi, I'm Crystal. Um, my, the first part of my answer has to do with um, where I work. So I'm a school administrator for a school on the south side of Chicago. Um, and I think part of my response is to um, keep myself in a place where I see my role as one of advocacy and like service um, for the families that attend our school. Um, I do a lot of stuff in the office. Um, I love our kids, but I do a lot of stuff in the office, um, and I think a lot of times that gets to be like pretty mundane and um, just a job, but I think it's, um, in doing the things that I do, it's a way for me to give those families things that um, afford them opportunities through our school that um, their kids may not otherwise get. Um, and then my second answer has to do more with my identity as an Asian American. I think, um, similar to what a couple other brothers and sisters have said, um, as an Asian American, I think it's really easy to blend into the background. I don't have to engage with ways that I'm like my white brothers and sisters because I have privilege because I'm not, like Nathan said, I'm not, I'm not really black, um, black enough to be black, but I am a minority. I'm not white enough to be totally white, but I'm considered white sometimes, um, and I don't have to engage with that. Um, in similar ways, because I experience privilege, I don't necessarily have to deal with um, when my Asian American brothers and sisters or myself are discriminated against, I can sink into the privilege part and not deal with it. Um, so I think part of the commitment for me as an Asian American has to be um, both to listen to both sides and empathize with both sides because I can um, and allow myself to be constantly uncomfortable with it um, because it's too easy to be comfortable sinking into one side or the other. Uh, my name is Juan. Uh, so I've been, my response initially was to do quite a bit of reading, try and get educated and knowledgeable. I feel like I've gotten to the point where more reading is probably not helping and it's probably time for me to do something about it. Um, part of that has been uh, understanding that I need to pray because when I don't pray, I either become hopeless or I just become mad or whatever, all these excuses to ultimately sort of do nothing. Um, and so prayer is a big part of it. And also in prayer, learning, trying to hear where God's calling me to be a more vocal voice, um, whether that's public. I really don't like engaging in social media in this way, but I probably should. Um, being challenged in ways to be more vocal, especially as a Korean American, where it's easy to use that as an excuse to not engage. I'm trying to understand how God has sort of uniquely positioned me to do that and to and to engage and, and not give myself all these excuses not to. Um, and with that, understanding that there is a cost that is necessary for me, um, and it's supposed to make me uncomfortable. I'm supposed to be sacrificing something and trying to learn that that's okay and that's a good thing. So, uh, hi, my name is Alora, um, and uh, based on my understanding of Jesus, um, you know. I've known Jesus to be uh, humble, and I think um, that's something that I've, you know, as I've been learning um, lately, is just to to approach 
uh, racial injustice with humility, um, come with a heart of understanding and um, just being a good listener. And I think that's something that I've been uh, comfortable with or I've been kind of um, growing in that way. So I think, but for this year, I feel like God has been convicting me more and challenging more to go outside of my um, comfort zone and um, to take action. Um, and so for me, it's the first step for me is to pray um, and to, to, to know where God wants to lead me in, in that way. So, Hi, I'm Marquita. Based on my understanding of Jesus, what should my response to racial injustice be? Um, just as Lee said, the key word is should. But I know as part of my call um, in this world, um, I'm called to be an advocate. And as my husband said, calls me the defender um, for any kind of injustice, as Q said. It doesn't just have to be um, racial or black, but anybody being mistreated. Um, I am that advocate. And um, just being an educator over the years and um, now teaching adults and young adults, um, I um, see that even more, and um, I know a lot of you can attest to that you can um, exemplify Jesus without even saying Jesus, and I noticed that in one of um, my reviews I got from last semester, um, I primarily teach um, a Latino population, um, don't really teach too many um, white people, but Latino, Asian, or black, and just from her response, I, I was thankful to God how um, I saw how the ways I tried to exemplify Christ helped her in class. We kind of had an emotional class one day, and she told me later how that helped her through the grieving of her grandmother. So um, that's how I continue to try to exemplify Christ by being that advocate, um, that defender, by being Christ-like. And like Adith said, I was reading that scripture too about how Christ got turned up in the temple. Um, I do that maybe too often, so I don't want to justify that. But if it requires to be a little turned up to speak on something that's right, I'll do that as well. So, Hi, my name is Alex. Uh, as others, are, others, others have said, um, Christ was humble. And I think my response should be to humbly seek God's will and how to respond to each instance of injustice and uh, my own heart in that matter. And then to go out and do God's will as best I can. Hey, my name is Jasmine. Um, I think uh, for me, the ultimate goal is to like be really passionate and like fight for injustice, whatever injustice that may be. But for me right now, um, having grown up overseas, I think um, this context of racial injustice is kind of foreign to me. So what I think I, my response right now should be to like read up and understand um, just the history and the context and the language, having conversations so that I can ultimately engage in, in more conversation. Finish us out here. Um, so <laughs> I, think, I think professionally and publicly, I'm feeling very angry and discouraged. Um, I think personally, um, I feel like I'm being called to serve this church um, and build relationships with people at this church and I feel like it's been very encouraging um, and so that's really good and and yeah I think the the moments that I've had um, with the people that God have, has put in my life from new community have been really precious to me during this crazy time of awful injustice Esther? Do you want to say? Esther. I'm looking at you, Esther. I don't think there's any other Esthers in our church. Do you want to say something? Well, sorry, I um, missed a lot of the conversation because we were taking care of uh, the baby. But if anyone has a bo baby bottle to lend me, that'd be great. Um, we forgot it at home. I'm a good mom. Um, I, I do want to say that like, probably the biggest thing for me is that he was not neutral. Jesus was not neutral. And so if anyone else talked about that, I'm sorry to be rehashing that. But um, Jesus just wasn't, you know, he took a side. And so I think um, my 
my what my role has been um you know somewhat as a journalist and you know the other part of my job is lecture um but more with family and um people that i know who do not take a side and say you know all you need is you know jesus is all about love 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 and so this is a conversation i have a lot with my relatives and um i'm and i'm like well what does that mean you know what did he do with his love and so i like to ask questions and um get people thinking but the other thing that i realize is again with the humility point like i remember that maybe you know a few years ago i was that person and so i i think it's just good to remind myself like without this church without this body without people that we've you know gotten to love and care for um love and care for even if i don't even like them sometimes you know like that sort of fam family love is um it it came with time and um experience so i think it's just good to remind myself that it's not you know you can't just like have a conversation with someone and change their mind so that's been a good um reminder to myself just to be patient with people um and remind myself also that i'm i continue to be racist i continue to be unjust i continue to have really messed up thoughts and opinions and um those are things that i constantly have to admit and confess Did we miss anybody else who wanted to Eric, and then I'll take my turn, and then Pastor Michelle is going to just tell us anything God's been saying to her during this time. Hi, my name is Eric. Um, I didn't want to speak first, so I just passed it. Um, I uh, approach this in twofold, uh, two parts. Um, as a medical student, I've seen uh, racial injustice manifest in inequality of care, um, especially uh, through individuals, um, uh, people who are of color or have different language as their first language um, are treated differently or are treated uh, or approached differently, which is um, very, uh, I guess, eye-opening to me, um, especially because it was consistent around all the hospitals that are rotated through in the Chicagoland, um, including those uh, in the academic fields, um, big academic hospitals. And so I guess as a student um, and aspiring doctor uh, to approach or observe and uh, approach those injustices and I guess bridge the gap of care that I see um, uh, through, I guess, just action or uh, pointing out those differences um, to my colleagues or um, even my superiors. I know the hierarchy within the medical system is pretty um, standard and rigid, but um, I think Jesus was a bold man. Um, he, he was a bold God. He called out things. And uh, to have the courage to even um, uh, challenge the hierarchy and the injustice would be something that I uh, strive to approach, maybe. Um, and, and yeah, I think um, politics plays a huge role in the hospital. Um, uh, and I don't like speaking out, but um, I hope to, you know, be more courageous and more bold like Jesus and uh, approach politics in the hospitals as I become higher up in the hierarchy. Um, thank you. Uh, so you, I feel like uh, often you all hear too much from me, and so um, let me try to say something that maybe I don't get to say as much um, as it relates to uh, Jesus's way of reframing and kind of reorienting me on this. Um, I get a lot of joy um, from being a part of this community. And the only way that I can understand sort of my place in this church, the only way that I can understand sort of uh, the, the level of friendship uh, that I know with, with many of you, uh, the only way that I can understand many of you listening to a white pastor regularly, 
uh, is because of who Jesus is. And that uh, delights me. And I am profoundly thankful and grateful that in the midst of incredible injustice, uh, deep and historic racial injustice, uh, in the middle of a city that has no interest in making things right, that this can exist. Uh, To me, there is maybe no greater act of resistance or protest. There's maybe no greater eschatological sign, a sign pointing to God's future, than me getting to belong to this community than me getting to be loved by this community. And not just in general, but by specific individuals and people. And that I get the chance to know you and to love you and to care for you. The more I understand about this country, the more I understand about racism, the less likely that possibility seems to me. It seems like a greater and greater impossibility. And yet, I can testify that the community of God, that the family of God that I have been grafted into is the best place in the world, is the best family in the world, is the best community in the world. And I am a different person, not because of theoretical reconciliation, not because of books about theology. I'm a different person because the body of Christ as exhibited in and through you has uh, changed me, has turned me inside out, has wrecked me, and then put me back together. So when I think about, and again, you know lots of things I think about because I say them regularly, but one of the things that I think about is how profoundly grateful and even happy I am to get to belong to this community. We're in process, massively imperfect, and yet the gospel of Jesus Christ has seeped into my skin and into my head and into my memory in a way that I'm not sure would be possible uh, anywhere else. So this doesn't sound very spiritual, but I really like you guys. And it's amazing to be liked back. And I know there's things about me that some of you don't like and some things about you that I... You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) It's just really, really good for me. And let me say very specifically, as a white person who does not have a culture, as a white person whose ancestors at some point gave away the specific practices and memories of different cultures in order to gain power and be white. To belong to a family with people who still have a memory of God's specific presence among a specific people is a blessing that I can never describe in enough detail to you. This side of heaven, I will never get to know that fully. Uh, But With you, I experience spiritual gifts. I experience ways of knowing God that were sold away a long time ago uh, for a corrupt power that um, that can never satisfy. So I'm I'm very very grateful to you all for that.